Welcome back for episode 10 of the Prime Performance Podcast. My name is Austin Halcomb, and today we're talking about the game of failures. Yes, we're talking about baseball, one of my favorite sports, a sport that I work pretty heavily with here in the Indianapolis area and beyond. One of the sports that I grew up playing more than any other sport, and one sport that I follow more than any other sport is also baseball. So I'm very huge on baseball. It's one of those types of games that I believe is so big when we're regarding the mental game. And there's a lot to be learned from baseball that you can take outside of the sport as well. But first, I want to jump into the MLB a little bit. We just had opening day. I'm really big on opening day. One of my favorite days of the year. Huge Cincinnati Reds fan. And I just want to say that I was very much wrong in the early going here on the MLB rule changes. So for those of you that don't know, and I'm going to jump into the sports psychology, the mental performance side here in a little bit, but I want to give some background on the MLB as well, because if you're even a vague watcher, I think that these things are very important, especially to the mental performance side and changing rules. So the MLB has made a few rule changes this year, if you didn't know, and one of those being uh, the shift. So the shift being where players in the field would move to maybe one side where they would favor one side of the field uh, for maybe a left-handed hitter who hits down the right field line. They would move their players over to that side to help them have more defense over there. And so with the shift, they're banning that now. And this is meant to allow the MLB batting averages to be brought back up. So on the mental side of hitting, players are going to be hitting at a much higher rate. They're going to be hitting into those open spots. I think you're going to see a lot more confident hitters that struggled with the shift last year. You're going to see the confidence level boost around the MLB. I think we're going to see much higher batting averages all around, even for people who didn't necessarily struggle with the shift. Uh, but I think that the fact that there is going to be more open space for people to get hits, we're going to see an increased place of confidence in the MLB. So that's going to be a really good thing all around. I think that uh, even when one person is confident, that spreads and passes along to ball clubs. And hopefully as we see these uh, confident athletes, we'll see a lot of really good mental game material coming out of it from just the form of confidence. Another rule that they had implemented and changed here a little bit, we're looking at the pitch clock, uh, something that I was very much against because as a mental performance coach, I am very big on routines, but I'm also very big on adaptability. So here's where I've kind of changed my stance on this. So in the early going, when I heard about the pitch clock, this is something that was implemented. It's where pitchers are going to have 15 seconds with nobody on base to throw their pitch. And then it's an extra, it's 20 seconds when there is a runner or more on base. So pitchers are given a limited amount of time to throw their pitch. On top of that, hitters are going to need to be in the batter's box with eight seconds left on the pitch clock, no less, or they are then... Uh, counted against while they're up to bat. So for this whole pitch clock thing and this new rule being enforced, I was very much against it because I think that it's going to rush pitchers. I think that it's going to throw them out of their routine. I think that, and I thought that we would be seeing um, some skewed numbers from pitchers, which we have from some of the better pitchers early on, but it's a super small sample size. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be a huge disadvantage to the pitchers. But then after seeing some of these hitters not being able to get into the routines, to not be able to do some of their deep breathing, not be able to you know get locked in on their focal point, to not be able to do their physical actions that get them into the present moment, I noticed that they are also uncomfortable. So it's a disadvantage at both sides. But then I started to think about the adaptability rule that I implement with my athletes and my teams and my coaches. And, you know, You've got to be adaptable. If you're playing an outside sport, you don't know what the weather's going to be like on the day of the championship game. You don't know what the strategy an opposing team is going to bring 
to the game, even if, even if weather doesn't play a part. You don't know how the referees or the umpires are going to call the game. You just don't know. There's a lot of different variables that happen. And on top of that, you know, I work in the mental health field and I do a lot of mental health coaching and, you know, essentially athletic therapy. And uh, you see that much more than just what's happening on the field is affecting these athletes. And you might be one of those. You might be an athlete or a coach or somebody in your career in business. And you might be stating that, you know, I see myself affected mentally on different days. And so I changed my stance after I watched the first few uh, Reds games and MLB games. I was watching various games throughout opening day and the, the first few days of the season. And I realized that these are professional players. These are these are players that are playing at the highest level. And if they can't be adaptable to a simple rule change like the pitch clock, how can we ever expect college and high school and even youth athletes uh, younger than them be adaptable to different environments? Because the game is always going to be changing. The game is always going to be evolving. Sports and training is always going to be changing at a, at a different high-level rate. And so we have to know how to be adaptable. And so I've changed my my mind on this because it has, we've already seen in the early going here in our small sample size that the games are about 30 minutes shorter, which is something that's been very good for MLB. It, there was much more action in the games I've been watching. There was a lot more stuff going on. It was much more engaging for the casual viewer, I'm assuming. Uh, and and it was good. I think it's a good thing. You know, I might, I might flip my stance on this again after we get a larger sample size of things. My only concern, like I said, is the injuries to pitchers. Uh, rushing their approach, maybe even the hitters rushing their approach. But, you know, in all seriousness, I, I do think that what they did here was something that's really good. And on top of that, you know, there's pickoff rules that they've changed to where if pitchers only get two pickoff attempts or fake pickoff or to where they could just step off the rubber and then they have to throw to the plate um, or else it's a bulk. I'm not sure on that rule either, but we'll see how that plays out. I know that they're wanting to get more action on the base paths. And with that, they also increased the size of the bases from 15 inches to 18 inches in the MLB. So we're going to be seeing a lot more run and gun in the MLB. We're going to be seeing a lot more action out of the base pass. I think that that's a good thing for the sport after getting to see all this live. Now, with that being said, I want to jump into my side of things. I got to give my background and my thoughts on the MLB and um, and these new rule changes and, and what that means for adaptability. But really, when it comes down to it, the game of baseball is one of the hardest sports that we have to offer in this world. And, you know, this is this is why I've titled this episode The Game of Failures. And this is why you hear people talk about it, that old cliche, you know, baseball, even softball, they're, they're games of failures. And it's so true because in the MLB, uh, for those that may not know, you're a good hitter, maybe even considered great, if you get a hit three out of ten times. So that's a 300 average in baseball. It's what that is, 30%. So if you're hitting at a 30% rate, you're pretty good in the MLB, if not considered great. And so you got to think about it seven out of 10 times. If you're great, you're actually failing and you're not doing what you need to do to help your team succeed. Or so you think there are a lot of different things that go into the game of baseball. There's so much to think about in baseball and why I like working with baseball and softball players and through my program and company is that there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of, of opportunity to think. And with that, a lot of opportunity to not think. There's a lot of opportunity to use different cues and things. That I'm routines. I'm going to be talking about here in a second. Uh, there's just a lot more downtime than other sports. Even football is a little bit more higher paced, in my opinion, uh, than baseball is. But basketball is always running gun, aside from like timeouts and the ball going out of bounds. You know, baseball pitch clock aside, you are able to kind of control the pace of the game a little bit more. 
there's pressure, there's failure, there's adversity like there is in any sport, but it's really prevalent here in the game of baseball. And so with that being said, we have to understand a few different things in being great uh, in the game of baseball, not just on the mound, not just in the field, not just in the box, in the dugout, pregame, postgame, so many different areas that you could be improving in this great game. And let's just start. I, I want to break down how I go through a few different routines. And at some point in time, you know, I've got seminars out there. I've got some virtual uh, content stuff out there on my socials. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have if you are a baseball or softball player out there that is wanting to get better at the mental game in your sport, even other sports. Uh, please, please message me. Please email me. Get with me. I'm happy to go more in depth with these set up a meeting. But when I'm working with some of my high level athletes on the diamonds, uh, we talk about routines quite a bit. Hitting routines are one of those things. And so our athletes and I write this on batting gloves. I write these in their hats. I write these things. Um, on a note card that they put in their back pocket. Uh, some people are laminating some of the success checklist stuff that I'm giving them and their routines and their their keychain or keychaining them to their bat bags. You know, people are getting really good with this stuff and making it towards visual that they can see it. But the hitting routines, uh, first of all, you need to be engaged early on. You need to be engaged early on. And I'm not just saying wait until you get into the batter's box to get engaged, but you need to be engaged not when you get into the batter's box, not when you get into the on-deck circle, not when you're in the hole, you're three batters back. You need to be engaged probably about four batters away, three or four batters away there. And that's when you're still in the dugout. So you need to be kind of getting into that hitter mode. You might not bat that inning. That's okay. It's better to be prepared and not get to bat than to not be prepared and be thrown into the fire, right? So you have to start getting ready a little bit more in advance. And I want you to utilize these things in whatever way works best for you. There's no one great, perfect way to do this. But first of all, I think that you need to be getting some deep breathing in there. You need to, you need to have some deep breaths into your approach. Get your body relaxed. Get some oxygen flowing throughout your body. Get your, get your blood going. Get everything in the right frame of mind to where you can just be you. And you can relax and you can let your muscles move freely. And that's the deep breathing. Whether it's just a few concentrated deep breaths, whether it's that uh, four six four two six uh, routine reset routine and breathing, whatever you got to do, some type of deep breathing. And there's so many different ways that deep breathing can be utilized, but you got to have that going up to the plate. I personally would be using it a couple times when I'm in the dugout. I would be slowing my breathing down. I would then, when I'm in the hole, also in the dugout, I would be doing a few big deep breaths to just calm myself, relax my muscles. In the batter's box, I would be using this to calm myself, relax my muscles, and use it to help with my timing while I'm watching the pitcher. And then as I get into the box, when it's my turn to bat, I would have one giant deep breath that would help relax me the most. And that would be my, here is everything that's happened in the past. Here's everything I'm concerned about for the future. Boom, my inhale, my exhale. Here's where I'm at. I'm right here. I'm in hitter mode right now. So the, the deep breath is, is going to be great. There also needs to be a physical action. Um, it's, I have a lot of athletes. They will adjust their batting gloves. They will, you know, adjust their helmet. They'll toe tap their cleats. They'll they'll grab onto the barrel of their bat and act like they are putting energy into that bat. They will do some crazy stuff. Some athletes they'll just move their feet back and forth in a motion that keeps them locked in while they're waiting on the pitch to get there. Some athletes they'll move their bat. They'll wiggle they'll wiggle their bat, and that's what where they'll be focusing on. That's their physical action. Other athletes will pick up dirt. They'll throw it. There are so many different physical actions that you could be doing that are making you present moment focus, that are helping you to stay locked in, to stay where you need to be in that moment. And so you got to find something that works for you. Maybe it's something like with the toe tapping, you go back and forth. You're, you're moving your weight of your body onto each foot differently. You have to find different ways to stay physically 
uh, active and, and use that as an action cue to be present moment focused. On top of that, when you're hitting, your self-talk is going to be big. The person that you talk to most in this world is yourself. So you need to start focusing on your self-talk. Use motivational self-talk. Use instructional self-talk. Use thought-stopping self-talk. Use the type of self-talk, whatever's going to get you going and get you in the right frame of mind to succeed in the box. And then, of course, our focal cue, where we need to be focusing and visualizing success. Seeing yourself hit the ball before you ever hit the ball. See it in your mind first. Very similarly, on the pitching side of things and on the on the mound we want to be using our deep breath use that to your advantage take a big deep breath before you're about to throw your pitch and go through uh whether it's the windup or the stretch i, I personally after learning f- at some of my facilities and with the canes uh, and their president jason climore I, I would really be big on uh, going from the stretch i think that that's something that most pitchers should be doing now after knowing what i know So just a little cue there, Uh, but use your deep breath and then use your breathing to help you pitch more accurately. Your breath can be something that you can use in your throwing motion and it's meant to be used in your throwing motion. Use it, take a big deep inhale and you got to practice this a little bit and then use your exhale to help you throw harder. Use your exhale to help you focus on something other than where you're throwing. This could help make you more accurate even. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but this is the mental game. These are things that we're working on, but you got to practice these things and you got to trust the process. Um, your physical action up there is very much the same adjusting your hat, you know, maybe taking off your glove, putting it back on, uh, wiping off your cleats, doing something that's a physical action. Maybe it's more of a reset cue when you're on the mound. Your self-talk is going to be pretty incredible when you're on the mound. You've got to talk yourself up. you got to hype yourself up. you got to let yourself know that you are the person to succeed in this moment. And then, of course, where are you focusing? Where's your target? How are you visualizing that? And seeing yourself throw a strike. Seeing yourself throw the ball where you want it to go. It doesn't always have to be in the zone. It can be outside the zone. Make people uh, chase. Make people chase your pitch. This is pitching one-on-one. This is this is some of the good mental stuff here that you're going to want to be doing. And then, of course, in the field, when you are playing defense, being able to stay focused and stay engaged is the greatest thing that you can do. So use the deep breathing. Use physical actions. Use your self-talk while you're out there. But more importantly, I want you to use communication. When you're in the field, you're not always going to get the ball. There may be games where you never get the ball. There are going to be other games where you get the ball quite a bit, depending on what position you are playing. Sometimes the pitcher may throw a complete hit or a complete game, and it's a perfect game, and they never even put the ball in play. So there's zero action in the field for you. But what you got to do is be able to stay engaged. You got to be a good communicator. You got to be a good teammate. You got to bring energy. You got to show effort. You got to hustle while you're out there. You got to do all the little things right. This is culture building. When you're in the field, the most important thing you can do is to do the little things right. The success checklist stuff that I talk pretty frequently about. This is going to impact not just you, but your team, your culture, your community. You are setting a new standard that if you can find passion and you can find love in doing the little things at a high rate, you are setting the bar that much higher moving forward. So don't just think that you were out there playing the field waiting on a ball to come your way. Always envision it coming your way on every single pitch. Know that it's going to come your way. Want the ball to come your way. Have the confidence, but also at the same time, be a good communicator. Have a lot of energy out there. Hype your teammates up. Use good self-talk, right? Have a good attitude, even if you're not playing well, even if the game's not going the way that you want. Being in the field and doing those little things is something that you can do every single pitch, every single inning, every single timeout that can impact the game very highly. And to be successful in this game, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that we have to understand. You got to be mentally resilient. I think being mentally resilient is just such a key 
to the game of baseball because just like the title says here, it's the game of failures. You're going to fail. It's going to be some adversity. It's going to be hard. Hitting a baseball or hitting a softball even, is, it's, it's not easy. It was never meant to be easy. It is difficult. Not only that, getting on base, getting a hit, putting the ball where you want it to go, those are even harder aspects to the game. You have to be mentally resilient in this process. You have to be tough. You have to be able to handle and control your emotions. You have to have reset cues that are going to get you from a strikeout to the next play, that are going to get you from a walk on the mound to the next play, that are going to get you from an error in the field to the next play. You have to be able to control those emotions, be able to reset, wipe those away, and get back to your best self on the next pitch. Every pitch, you have to have the mindset, I'm going to be my best self, I'm going to be my best self, I'm going to be my best self. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, you have to have that mindset on every single pitch. This is mental resiliency. You are un phased by anything in the game, good or bad. And like I said, again, you got to be patient with the process here. The process of being good in baseball is a very lengthy one. It is one that is going to test your patience. You're going to go through slumps. You're going to go through some slumps. Sometimes they are multiple games. Sometimes they're multiple weeks, but you're going to have slumps in this game. And you got to know that you have to stay consistent with your process. You have to be patient in the process and you have to, you have to know What's going to get you back? Don't don't be an overthinker when you go through slumps. Don't think so much. Make some minor adjustments in the cage. Make some minor adjustments in practice. Know why you're doing these. Do them with intent. Be adaptable. We're talking about adaptability again. Be adaptable to that. And then go out there and play. Play how you know how to play. A lot of times in slumps, it's an overthinking issue. We need to not overthink. We need to be able to focus on what got us there we need to go back to our roots. If there are minor adjustments that need to be made, make them. Make them. But once those minor adjustments are made and it's working, stick with it. Try not to be the person that is doing a minor adjustment every single game. Just know what you need to do, know how you need to do it, and go do it. Go perform it, right? You need to have a clear mind in this sport. You need to be passionate about this sport. You want to be great in anything. You got to be you got to be crazy passionate about it. You want to go to the MLB, and I have a lot of athletes every single year that tell me that they want to go play in the MLB. You have to be crazy passionate. I use a 1 to 30 scale, 30 being the most passionate you could be about something and 1 being the least passionate. I have a very few that are very honest with me about their 30s out of 30, but if you want to go to the MLB, you got to be a 30. You got to be a 30, or you got to be a genetically freak athlete. But if you want to be good, even if even if you are genetically freak athlete, you want to be good, you want to stay good, you want to stay in the MLB and make millions, you have to be passionate. You have to care. You have to love this game. You have to love all the failure, all the adversity that comes with it. You have to be grateful for the opportunity to step onto the diamond each time. And this goes much more than just baseball and softball. This is every sport. This is every career. This is every part of your life. You want to be great in something. You got to be passionate. You got to be grateful. You got to be humble for the opportunity. You have to be confident in yourself, know what you bring to the table, right? Confidence is an action. It's not a thought. It's not a feeling. It's what you do. So go out there and do it. And maybe one of the most important things, you have to stay one pitch at a time. Each pitch is a new beginning and a new ending. Stay consistent in everything that you do one pitch at a time. Use your routines have the right mental space, you know, do what is getting you to this higher level of greatness. That's helping you reach your highest level of potential. Do that consistently one pitch at a time 
every single pitch, know that this is your opportunity to be great all over again, regardless of the past, regardless of the future, staying consistent with the present, do what you need to do, go out, be great, and continue to do that on a daily basis. And you will have much better results following this process.